Hello, hello. This is Sherry from the Sherry K. Hoff Show, where we focus on living joyfully and successfully in your life and business. You can find us at SherryKHoff.com. That's S-H-E-R-I-K-A-Y-E-H-O-F-F.com. My guest, Sam Kabert, is a successful serial entrepreneur turned spiritual seeker. He is known for his ability to put together teams to execute the vision. Being successful in the business world with such accolades like being recognized as one of Silicon Valley's 40 under 40 has allowed him to explore the deepest meanings behind the human experience. He is on a mission to help spread awareness around positive practices to tackle depression, sitting with discomfort, and exploring your shadow for healing, as well as sharing standard tactics to practice mindful living, which can be found in his number one best-selling book, Soul Life Balance, a guide to igniting and integrating spiritual awakening. Hi, Sam. I'm excited to have you here with our listeners today. We have a lot to talk about. So how are you? I'm doing great, Sherry. Thank you so much for having me. And I'm excited to unpack it all with you. I know we have, uh, you know, a journey to discover with you. So, um, so you talk about your main thing is soul life balance. So what do you mean by that? And, you know, that's kind of a really open ended. So just take us in the direction that you feel would help us all the most. Yeah, absolutely. So I like to say that I'm a serial entrepreneur turned spiritual seeker. And, you know, that's kind of what led me to this idea of soul life balance rather than work life balance, because I had work life balance. I am someone who built my business up to a million dollar company while working less than four hours a day, like two hours, really, if I'm being honest. And I wasn't fulfilled. You know, I end up being named to my industry's rising stars, being named to Silicon Valley's 40 under 40 at just 31 years old. And I wrote three books in less than a year, had podcasts and was doing all the things. But really what I started to realize somewhere along the lines was that every time I achieved a new thing that I saw, set, set out for, it was almost like I was left feeling more unfulfilled. And then a plant medicine known as ayahuasca, psychedelic known for healing, found me back in early 2019. Um, there were just so many synchronicities Then I was going through a numbing depression and I said yes to the ceremony. And from there, I really discovered what spirituality was. And that's when I was like, oh, there's, I don't remember exactly how it happened, but I had this uh, download, this insight of soul life balance rather than work life balance. And the basic concept is most of us are disconnected from our soul. Whatever language you want to use, like God, source, divine, uh, higher self, anything that resonates with you. But the key is we're disconnected from something more great and meaningful outside of just this human experience. And the reason is we're caught up in the everyday to-dos and everything else that comes with it. So what I like to say about soul life balance is bring in the archetypal energies of yin and yang, because most people understand this to a certain extent. So if we look at yang or yang, those energies are about how we show up in the world. What are we doing? It's about deadlines, pro, uh, projects, tasks, obligations, and really embodying that human doing versus human being. 
On the flip side, yin is more flow receptive and it's tapping in with your intuition. In a lot of ways, that is where we would say that connects with your soul, spirituality, or even your religion. So if we look at work and life, right? Taking back the work-life balance. Well, work, I don't need to explain that to anyone that it's yang energy because we know this because it's all about like scheduling out your calendar, getting back to emails, projects, tasks, things we are doing. So no doubt about that, that work is yang. And our life is also consumed by yang energy because most of our waking hours for most of us are spent working. And when we're not working, that's when we need to do other things, whether it be take care of our pets or kids or say, uh, you know, a health check-in with a doctor or working out, whatever it might be. There's things that we're starting to check all the boxes. So in a lot of ways, if we are chasing and trying to obtain work-life balance, we're consumed by yang energy and we we don't have yin energy. We don't have that connection to flow, to receptivity, to our soul. So the reframe of work-life balance is realizing that work is part of the human experience and putting some sort of connection to your soul first and foremost. So that's soul-life balance. Mm, I love that explanation. And I think, um, are, is there anybody who ever spends too much time in yin and not enough time in yang? <laughs> because um, mm-hmm. You know, I I don't know too many people like that, but I suppose that could happen too. <laughs> That's such a good question, Sherry. And um, absolutely, there. I think a lot of people in conscious communities and spiritual circles experience this, and we start to be out of balance with yin and you know being flexible or fluid with schedules or things like this. And this is uh, oftentimes a. Uh, encapsulated by the term spiritually bypassing. And when we hear someone say like, uh, well, it's all perfect or everything's going to happen exactly how it's supposed to, or when time, or I'm going to manifest this thing, I'm working on, uh, you know, manifesting in my meditations or journaling and affirmations, all these different things, but you don't actually do it in the physical 3d form that becomes spiritually bypassing. And that's when we are too far on the yin side as well. Yeah, that's a really good point. And I know, like for myself, I mean, I love meditating, I love journaling, I you know, love being in prayer. And so um, I was talking with a friend of mine, and I was in kind of a strange space in my life. And I said something like, Oh, maybe I need to meditate on it. And she said, I feel like you should dance on it. Mm. And, and I loved that. And so I just turned on some crazy music. And I think it was a I think it was drums even. And I just like danced it out. And, um, and so I think it is, it's, there's that, you know, balance of knowing when to reflect and when to act. And although people would say dancing is kind of a form of meditation, but it's movement, it's doing something. So, um, so how can people move more into that soul life balance? Yeah. So, I typically recommend to start with what I call soul life evaluation. And basically it is realizing that yes, work is part of living, but it still consumes the majority of our time for most people. So we're actually going to create three buckets. We're going to create a bucket for soul, a bucket for life. And then the third bucket 
is work. And basically I have a set of journal prompts um, to help people journal, but otherwise you could just start journaling about what you're doing for your own spirituality, what your connection is to soul or something more meaningful and grateful than uh, not grateful, but um, expansive than this human experience, what comes up for you. And then talking about uh, work, what's your relationship to money? What's your relationship to the way you make money? Do you enjoy what you're doing? What would you change? Things like that. And then for life, looking at your relationships, your communication, your obligations, and your hobbies and things like that. And really the idea is to journal on these three things, because as you know, Sherry, since you journal, things that it will come through you as you journal. From there, it's starting to choose about three things in each bucket. You choose three things from the soul, the life, and the work that you want to um work on essentially for lack of a better way to put it. So say it's something in your life where you're like, oh, I have this relationship with uh, my partner or maybe with my um, kid or whatever it might be where I want to work on communication. From there, you start to look at resources and you might come across a book like Nonviolent Communication. And it's basically just choosing three things to work towards in each of these buckets so you can start to call in more, uh, create more and more fulfilling life, really. Mm, I love how, um, even though it's so um, holistic, it's so practical you know, mm-hmm. to say, choose yeah. three things. I mean, people can wrap their minds around it. And and instead of feeling like this overwhelming of where do I start? Because uh, sometimes I have a tendency to attract spiritual people, or at least people who are open spiritually. And that's kind of, I would say my optimal client, you know, falls into that, you know, kind of direction, um, even if they don't quite realize it. But sometimes I'll get the question, how do I become more spiritual? Hmm. Because if someone hasn't been open to that, I mean, I was raised with a very Christian spiritual family. I mean, very, you know, not just the rules or the scripture, but very spiritual. And, you know, I've I've had that with me since I can remember. Like my first memory was five years old and I've felt that. So when someone's who's never had that, or even some, like I've, I've talked to some people who have gone to church for years and they've never felt that, you know, they've had divine communication or God speaking to them, whatever, um, you know, words, like you said, people are using. Um, and I have like my own methods, my own ways, but I'm curious, uh, on what you would say to someone who says, well, how do I work on my spirituality? Yeah. And, you know, it's going to be different for each person. Right. And the one thing I would say is, and I'll get to answering your question just because this is coming up for me now, but oftentimes when people do start down the spiritual path and it's like new to them, they might be like, oh, I'm going to get my journaling in today, my meditation in, my reading and, you know, do my yoga and whatever the thing is, they start to approach it as if it's a to-do list, then it starts to be too much. And then we start automatically subconsciously shaming ourselves for not doing it all. So I would say like, that's where soul life balance comes in and really realizing like, Hey, I want to wake up tomorrow and meditate and then journal about my experience, but may, and then maybe it's doing a few more things, whatever it is, but it's like, 
maybe that doesn't feel in alignment in that moment. So I think spirituality is actually very simple and we do, we're humans. So what do we tend to do? We overcomplicate things. And I think connecting to your own divinity and spirituality and deeper meaning of this human existence as is as simple as slowing down, trying to find our thoughts moment to moment and checking in with ourselves and saying, Hey, what do I need in this moment? And I think that is like the easiest, most accessible way to start to get into spirituality, as opposed to being like, Oh, let me teach you about spirit guides and how animals are messengers and things like that, which are fantastic. And once we start to learn about these things and expand, we'll start to feel more synchronicities and know what the word synchronicity means. But until then, a very accessible way is just checking in with yourself and asking yourself what you need moment to moment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just want to pause and let that sink in for people. I love what you said about shame. And, um, and I think the same, you know, I think shame goes hand in hand with judgment. And, you know, when we decide, okay, we're going to do this to change or that to change, and we don't do it, not only do we have that feeling of, oh, I didn't stick to my commitment, but then we're hard on ourselves for it. And I just think it's such a better approach to love ourselves through it and, you know, to look at the big picture. And um, I mean, if I could just throw judgment and shame out of this world, I would love to do that because it doesn't really serve any purpose. Um I don't know if this ever happened to you, but I remember my dad, the worst thing he could ever say to me was shame on you. Mm. And I mean, it was like horrifying. Like I, I thought it was the worst thing in the world and maybe it was, but, but to realize how many decisions that we make because of that or how hard we are on ourselves because of that, which kind of leads me into the next thing. Um, it is, and we, I think we've been sort of going down that road, but talking about mental health in the workplace. Yeah. Mental health in the workplace is a huge thing. I mean, there's so many statistics that um, back this up. And right now we're seeing, you know, the most suicide rates that we've seen in the past 30 years. Um, There's so many statistics that we can look at. Uh, One I came across recently was I think um, the screenings for mental health have gone up by 500% since the pandemic. And about half of our society has been like diagnosed with anxiety or, and, or depression. Um, so this, a lot of it can start in the workplace. And this is why mindful leadership is so important and a really easy and accessible way to bring more mindfulness into the workplace, thus creating more mental health awareness in the workplace and outside of it is through the practice of using that a WIFL. And a WIFL is an acronym that stands for what I feel like expressing. So the idea is when you start a meeting, depending on how many people are in your meeting, but you give space to be like, hey, if anyone has anything that's keeping them from being fully present right now, because maybe there's something that's bothering you or or you're thinking about what you have to do later, or you're just going through something right now. This is a time before the meeting to express how you're actually feeling. And the idea here isn't to have like 10 or 20 people in an a hour long meeting and give like, you know, each person five minutes because you can't really do that, unfortunately. But the idea is like, 
to create the space that if something comes up for someone, they have the opportunity to be seen and witness and encourage psychological safety in the workplace. I love that. Um, sometimes I wonder, so are all of these new... So um, what, I, what I was saying is that you know, it does seem like there's more acceptance for people's mental health. And what I'm seeing is a lot more acceptance for men's mental health. Like Mm. there are more men coming forward, you know, saying, hey, I struggle with this. And I see this, you know, in my own family, a a bigger willingness than say 30 years ago, you know, when my brother died of suicide, Mm. uh, you know, that now people do have those doors open to open the conversation. So um, how can, because leadership is still so, I don't want to use the word alpha dominated, but, you know, I'm kind of in that direction that, you know, the feeling of, I don't want these meetings to descend into some big touchy feely thing. So how can people keep, you know, have that safe space to say what's on their mind Um and then not have that feeling afterwards, like, oh, did I overshare? Mm, yeah, well, that's a great question. And um, thank you for sharing about your brother's suicide. I'm, I'm sorry you and your family had to experience that. I've been firsthand impacted by suicide as well. And something that's uh, very um, dear to my heart. And so uh, thank you for sharing that. And in terms of your question about um, the whiffle and, you know, it being potentially too vulnerable. I mean, one thing to speak about as well when doing a whiffle is creating the container and saying that's a safe space and getting permission from people. Um, I would say if you are a leader listening to this podcast right now and, you know, whiffle is something that you're curious about and you might want to implement into your culture, depending on the size of your organization, you might want to speak with your HR department, uh, depending on your experience with mindfulness and conscious communicating, you might not want to lead it yourself. Um, You might consider to bring an outside person into the organization to say, do a corporate training for mindfulness, things like that. But you're so right. Like it could end up backfiring if, you know, we hear something on a podcast and we're like, oh yeah, I heard about this thing. So, Hey, does anyone want to say something? And then like, you know, Jenny in the corner or something says something pours out her heart and soul and starts crying. And then Mike, um, uh, is there just like wondering what the, the Niners are going to do, uh, on the football game or whatever. And then at the water coolers, like, Hey, can you believe Jenny, uh, do this Mm -hmm. and start making fun? It starts to create more toxicity. That is absolutely a hundred percent true. So I think that's where, you know, as leaders listening to this podcast, right? I think we need to have a good sense of where we are at in our journey. And if we are capable to do something like that, if it makes sense with our community, our our company culture and check in with HR. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I think for employees or for, you know, I'm an open-hearted person and, you know, early earlier in my career, in my life, I would have moments where I felt like, gosh, you know, maybe I just opened up too much. And so one prayer and intention that I have every day is that I'm sharing exactly what I want to be sharing, need to be sharing in exactly the right moment with exactly the right words. Not about, it's not about being perfect, but since I started doing that, I've been doing that for about 15 years, I don't have that 
know, because there's times when I'll share a lot, you know, like just sharing about my brother. Um, you know, so I don't have that moment afterwards of, you know, ooh, I, I just became too wide open. And so for people who are worried about that, maybe creating some kind of intention for yourself. And I believe that when we set an intention, that we kind of lead ourselves down that path. And I think it is important to be open and equally important to also, you know, there's sometimes when something happens and you're not ready to share yet. You know, maybe you're ready to share a couple months from now um, about it and ready to talk about it. So it's almost kind of like when you're going through something, sometimes you need to process a little bit before you even know how to share mm-hmm. about it. So it's my two cents on that. <laughs> I, yeah, I think that's really powerful what you said about the intention. And uh, for anyone listening who's not too familiar with intention setting, I think that would also be a great place to start in terms of like your spiritual journey, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, um, well, I just think that your journey is just so fascinating and you just have such a wonderful energy. Um, it's very calming, very soothing. You're very grounded. I can, you know, I can feel that. So how can people find you? Where's the best way for them to connect with you? Well, thank you so much, Sherry. And I, I find you very uh, calm and soothing and grounding as well. Um, it's uh, nice to get to know you through this podcast and um, appreciate the work that you're doing in both your business and the podcast. As far as my stuff goes, the best place is samkabert.com. That's K-A-B as in boy, E-R-T, Sam kbert.com that's my website that speaks about how i speak to corporate um events and speak to schools all sorts of things about soul life balance mental health and workplace things like that my podcast soul seekers linked there my book soul life balance is linked there my social media most active on instagram but yeah the all the magic happens at uh samkbert.com and from there you can choose which uh, rabbit hole you want to go down <laughs> So, um, so what is the one thing, if people could change one thing or the one thing that you want them to take home today from listening, what would that be? Yeah, I believe that the aim is really to be able to check in with ourselves and trace our thoughts moment to moment, like I mentioned earlier. Um, but for many of us, that is w- way too overwhelming to be like moment to moment. Like, what do you mean by that? Like, I'm at the point of where I'm trying to do that moment to moment. But I think for the majority of our society, it's just asking ourselves, what do I need today? How can I feed my soul today? And it doesn't need to be so hard. It's moment to moment, just like waking up in the morning and like, what would make today a good day? How can I love myself today? What does spirituality mean to me? What do I need? These type of questions. Um, I often just say, how can I feed my soul today? Yeah, I think that's a good question, but change the language, you know, so that resonates for you. Definitely. Mm, That's beautiful. Thank you so much, Sam. Thank you for being here with us today. Thanks, Sherry. Appreciate the time. This episode is sponsored by the Spirit Guided Biz Course. You can find out more information at sherrykhoff.com. That's S-H-E-R-I-K-A-Y-E-H-O-F-F.com. 